0: All right, so now I'm recording. Hey, Ollie.
1: Hi,
0: hey Anita. Hey, Anita. We miss you. <laughs> we miss you guys. We hope your luggage turned up. All right, so I'm going to be uh, preaching. It's kind of a weird one because I'm preaching from 1, Cor- uh, 1 Corinthians 5.14 and 16, but the scripture that we'll be reading is mostly from Luke 15. So what do you know? Um, and... Yeah, I was going to start out, you know, I don't know here hear what, what you're like when you lose something. Um, I'm kind of a little on the spectrum when I lose something. I don't like it at all. I got a little crazy. Uh, like, even if it's of no consequence. Like a tiny little birthday candle. Like a tiny little birthday candle. <laughs> yeah, so Megan went crazy. I was actually going to tell a story about Megan. Um, a funny story about Megan and her beautiful jackets, uh, oh. her, her, <laughs> that she had in a bag, because they really needed to be—they really needed to be dry cleaned, was it?
1: Dry cleaner today, with you know your suit pants, etc., etc. And he's like, sure. Anyway, he got home that afternoon, and I said, did you drop the, drop my coat off and your pants at the dry cleaner? And he said, the dry cleaner. I dropped them off at Vinny's. (laughs) And I said, "Ah, ahaha, very funny. And he's like, no, no. generous giving your favorite <laughs> to, the, to the poor people. And I'm like, what? Not oh, impressed."
0: Right. And so after Matt jealous. dropped your um jacket off at the charity instead of at the dry cleaner, um, did you make him do anything to try and get it back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was that? There were hoops. There were some <laughs> hoops. He had to go and stand next to the bin and wait um, for a guy to empty it like I just steal from the mini bin. But Love it. He
1: and then he had to go to work again the next day, and I went and waited at, at the bins, but they'd already been emptied. Like, and someone came to empty them, and I was so excited, and they emptied each bin and it wasn't there. And they said, Oh, when did he drop it off? And we worked it out that it had been collected two hours after it was dropped off. And they said, So it's somewhere there. And they pointed to this huge truck with like maybe 300 big, giant plastic bags that were full of all the stuff. And
0: they said, you're welcome to go and look. And I was like... Yeah, yeah so, this is, so this is one of those things where, like, so Megan lost something that was really important to her, and getting it back was super important to her. But for everybody else, it was actually quite funny. LAUGHTER uh, as much as i could understand that megan was super compelled to get her jacket back that didn't make me super compelled it just made me super amused because turns out i'm a bad person um we we can express sympathy for someone else's plight but it's not the same thing as truly understanding and caring and being united in their plight to find something um being compelled uh by my love of something, has motivated me at all sorts of different times. So there was a time where uh, I was courting Jess, trying to convince her to marry me. Um, after I had uh, broken up with her in a foreign country, we don't need to talk about it. And, <laughs> and then um, I was trying to convince her to, you know, get back together with me. And um, so I, you know, I got a haircut and I bought nice clothes that I didn't like, but I knew Jess would like. <laughs> I got like new carpet, new artwork, and I, I did everything I possibly could to, com- to convince Jess to take me back. So I was compelled by my love and desire there, and thankfully she took me back. Um, so my, my love as a husband compels me to love my wife. And my love as a father compels me to love my children, especially when i want to hurt them um like his children i don't know if anyone here has had some of them uh really frustrating at times in the middle of the night last thing you want is a little child to come in and annoy you and be awake and like the older they get i'm sure the worse it gets that's been my experience you care more about them you you love them so much but without that compelling love that you have for them as a parent, it would be very difficult given the lengths and the expense that they, you know, they make you go to. My love as a husband compels me. and My love as a father compels me. But you know what compels most people, myself included, more than anything else really? It's my love of self. The reality is, is we love ourselves. I love myself so much that I, I make sure that I'm clean and that I wear nice clothes and that I eat and that I... I have the things that I like and I entertain myself. Basically, my entire life from birth has been me worried and loving myself. Um, we're compelled by that love. It, it, it pushes us. It compels us constantly. We are compelled by love. So the frame of reference we have, either as a husband or as a father or as a uh, as self, the frame of reference that we have will determine what it is that we do and the lengths that we go to. So in one Corinthians five fourteen it says, "For Christ's love compels us." This is a whole new one. You know, like the, the love of self is pretty natural. I get that one, and uh, love of everyone. some people are broken. Some people are broken. Don't love self. So, but even then, it's a matter of perspective because it's love of self that would make a person self harm, uh, because a person would say the most loving thing to do would be to end this. So it's, it's still love of self, even though it's really broken. I don't, I don't disagree with you, but love of self is natively wired into us. So what does it mean then to be compelled by Christ's love? That's a whole new type of love. I get love of self, I get, you know, as a husband, love of my spouse, um, and I get love of children, but love, Christ's love compelling me, that's something that I don't think that we as naturally find. So the rest of the verse, it reads for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So that we get this, this love of Christ, we get this love of Christ compelling us, firstly, because we're convinced that he died for everyone. Being convinced that he died for everyone gives us a sense of what Jesus valued. Because I know that Megan valued her jacket. And, you know, when I lose something, I know I value that thing. That's why I'm going crazy trying to find that thing. So for Christ, knowing that he loves people is the first part. Being convinced of that, that he loves people so much that he would die for them is the first. I understand that. But in the same way that I understand Megan loved her jacket... I can can mentally understand that Christ loved people enough to die for them, but it doesn't mean that I care about what Christ cares about. Understanding that he didn't just die for some people. Because that's a gospel that, you know, like there are people who don't really get that gospel. They honestly think Christ died for some people, not for all people. You know, Calvinist doctrine is that some people are elect and some people get to receive the grace and mercy of God and everyone else gets to die and suffer. And that's just how God wants it. So they are not compelled by the same love that I am. When I read 1 Corinthians five fourteen, and I hear that we are compelled by the love of Christ because he died for all people, I have to identify that he died for all people, not just white people or Australian people. Nationalism is not the same as the kingdom of God. He didn't just die for our nation. He didn't just die for Jewish people. He didn't just die for able-bodied people. He didn't just die for people who are ritually clean or for rich people or straight people or educated people. Or if you read Deuteronomy 23, as we did a few weeks ago, uh, if you were of illegitimate birth, then you're not uh, you're not welcome in the assembly of, of God. But he didn't just die for people who were born to legitimate birth. But knowing that Jesus loved everyone enough to die for them isn't enough. Because I can see that you love your jacket or that you love your children or that you love your spouse, but it doesn't compel me to love your jacket or your children or your spouse. It doesn't compel me. Knowing it isn't enough. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Okay, so I'm convinced of that. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Right, that's going to be tough. Love of self is hard to overcome. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's what it is to have Christ's love compelling you. It's not to regard people from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone, this is really important, this bit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Here's where we get the difference. We must be in Christ. We must be one with Christ. We must identify not just understand and see what he's did, but actually be like him and be in him and then see things the way he sees things. Now, the closest that I can think about that, you know, so for Matt, once he realized what he'd done with Megan's jacket, he knew he was, you know, in strife. That's a good start. Uh, but he was also much more uh, united with his wife so that her challenge and her what compelled her started to compel him as well. He was in such close intimacy with his wife and he didn't want to be in the doghouse for the rest of his life that he was compelled by her love of jacket to go and try to steal from a Vinny's bin. (laughs) To be in Christ means that we see the world the way that he sees the world. The old me must die. The me that has love of self as its primary expression dies and we become a new creation we become a new me that sees things the way that Christ sees things. This new creation loves and values the things that Jesus loves and values. It requires us to become a new person. That's how we start to see things and be compelled by the love of Christ. It is only possible by being a new creation. The old you is not capable of seeing people in any way other than worldly, as from a worldly point of view. But as a new creation, you see things the way Jesus sees things, the way that God sees things. It's a new creation that no longer regards people from a worldly point of view, judging their worth on the basis of their value to you. The new creation doesn't assign worth according to heritage or gender or race or success or grandeur or power or wealth or fame or age or influence or attractiveness. Being in Christ and being compelled by his love means we see and value people from Christ's perspective. Now I want to read from uh, Luke 15, which gives us a series of stories about people who lost stuff. Uh, So we get this idea of being compelled. Um, And even though there was a song that CJ had up before, the 8 Billion Reasons one, um, which really tied... 10,000? No. It was definitely 8 billion. It was talking about... 8 billion, that's what I said, isn't it? Yeah, I see your heart 8 billion different ways. Ha ha ha! <laughs> 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 Listen, I would just... No, it says
1: billion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> billion. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> now, the tax collectors... And sinners of whom we identify with you sinners, uh, we're all gathering around to hear Jesus. but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, "I feel like if I mutter this you won't understand so I 'm just going to read it like a normal person. Um, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus sees sinners differently to how Pharisees see sinners. His perspective his Otherworldly perspective of sinners is is not that they deserve what they've got when they're suffering or that he should not go near them because he'll become unclean or that they aren't worthy to eat with. That's not his perspective of sinners. So then he's hanging around with all these people and he says, "Then uh, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. So the shepherd is compelled by his love for the sheep. So even though he has a hundred of them, he loses one and he's compelled by his love to search out and find the one that he has lost. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins. She has ten jackets and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, get a coat hanger and fish in the winnie's bin, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, this is a happier story than yours, Megan. True. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The woman was compelled by her love of her coins. She loves her money. When she lost it, she was grieved, but then she was compelled to search for it and look for it. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. The father in this story is compelled by his love of his son. He's compelled by his compassion. He's compelled by his deep desire to be reunited in relationship with his son. And in these stories, we see a picture of what God is like. We see that God is compelled, that none, you know, that one died for all. And when we get that he died for all, he died for the lost son. And then we see this picture of this father waiting desperately for the return of his son, who sees him a long way off. And the only time in scripture, God's in a hurry. This this picture, it characterizes God as, you know, lifting up his skirts and running towards the son. God is in a hurry here because he is compelled. The father is compelled by his love for his son. But meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who had squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You see, we see here that the older brother is not compelled by the father's love. He's not even compelled by his own love for his brother. As far as he's concerned, it's his father's son. It's not my brother. It's your son who has done these things. And he's only compelled by his love of self. Why is it that you haven't given me a goat? And Why is not you haven't let me have a party? And why is it that I don't feel celebrated? It's all about the older brother. He is compelled by his love of self in every possible way. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The older brother loves himself. And yet we see here and culturally the father at the head of this household, the father doesn't beg with his children. The father that they, they are subservient to him. The children should be, you know, they should be respectful of him. But the younger sorry, the older brother refuses to come inside, so the father goes to him. This is like a huge cultural no-no. The father's not meant to lower himself to going out to his disobedient, angry son. But the father goes to him and it says the father pleads with him because the father is compelled by his love, not just of his younger son, but by his older son. He loves his older son. And he wants desperately for his older son to see things the way he sees things, for him to experience the joy that he feels when this this younger son has come back and is saved and come back and is found. The brother in in the father's house all along is not one with the father. And just as a person can be in church, it doesn't put them in Christ. Just as a person can read the Bible and they can be in the word and they can be in worship, it doesn't put them in Christ. There are a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, who have never been in Christ, who don't see the world that that God sees. And they don't see people the way that God sees them. There are a lot of, of, of Christians, especially when you see prominent Christians who you look at world leaders even who claim uh, big statements of faith. They might be in church and they might be in, even in the word, but they are not in Christ. And there are plenty of theologians who are deeply in their word, but they are not in Christ because they do not see lost people the way that God sees lost people. They are not compelled by the love of Christ. They are compelled by their maybe their love of the scripture or maybe their love of worship or maybe even their love of community in the church or maybe they're compelled just by a love of self. But it is completely different to become a new creation and to be compelled by the love of Christ. To see the world through the eyes of Of Jesus and the heart of God. I must be in Christ. And the old me must die, and the new me must live. A new me that no longer sees people from a worldly point of view judging their worth and their value on the basis of what I can get out of it. It's a new me and a new creation that doesn't assign worth according to. To heritage or gender or race or success or grandeur or power or fame or wealth or age or influence. But rather, but knowing that Christ died for them. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And when you look at the challenges that they faced in the early church. You look at guys like Paul, who, who ultimately had his head cut off because he saw things the way that God saw them. He saw things the way Jesus saw them. He was compelled even unto death to preach the gospel. When you look at guys like Peter, who was crucified and crucified upside down as well. Because he was compelled by the love of Christ. And his sense of self was not nearly as important as his sense of Christ in him and him in Christ. He was willing to sacrifice all of it because of how he saw things, not not you know, from a worldly point of view anymore, but from God's point of view. He saw people from God's point of view. And his love of self fell away, and his love of others became what motivated and drove how he lived. It was a really dangerous way to live in the in the New Testament times. <clears throat> to be in Christ then literally meant it meant treason. Because you were meant to worship and praise Emperor Caesar. But instead, like when we talk about like Jesus being king, we don't understand how treasonous and subversive that was in the early church. When they said that they were literally saying Jesus is emperor and there is a new empire that he is building. Caesar is no longer in charge and his empire no longer has power. I am a citizen of heaven and Jesus is my Lord and King. It was an utterly treasonous thing to say. But they did it because they were in Christ. And they they had to proclaim this gospel of the good news for all that would believe in Jesus. And it was a new kingdom that didn't exclude people. It was a new kingdom because in their culture, in the Roman culture, all sorts of people got excluded. And in the Jewish culture... Heaps of people got excluded. But in this new empire, this new kingdom, all were welcome for Christ died for all. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you, uh, that you see us with such compassion, like the father in the, the prodigal son story and you run to us, that you initiate, that you see us, that you come desperate to celebrate, desperate to put a robe on our shoulders and, and sandals on our feet and a ring on our finger. That the angels in heaven celebrate even more when a sinner comes to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that we would be in Christ. That it would radically alter the way we see the world and that when we read the Bible and when we worship and that when we can consider your kingdom, Heavenly Father, that we would do that from your perspective. That would see how you love people and how you sacrificed the Son so that you so that we wouldn't have to face the consequence of sin and death. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be in Christ. And then we would be compelled by his love. on what Jeff has been sharing about. If we we'll have a chance we'll, we'll sing a song uh, and as that's happening uh, feel free as you're ready to come in to come and take the bread and the juice and